Welcome to church on this Palm Sunday. What a great day to celebrate here in the church with each of us as believers coming together. You know, I, I love the story of Jesus. The Bible says that, uh, that he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. Uh, he knew that, uh, at, that the end of the journey was a cross, but he was determined, Jesus was determined to go to the cross for us. And uh, this is the week that the day that people celebrated his arrival uh, into the city. Uh, but before the week was over, most that stood uh, waving palms had turned against him and shouted, give us Barabbas. But Jesus was determined uh, to die on that cross so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins. And so as we celebrate uh, the week, Holy Week this week, just remember each day what God's ultimate sacrifice and the victory that we have because of it. So today we're going to continue our series, Eternity. And the question we start with today is, do we have a soul? Uh, is there life after death? The afterlife is something that has been experienced by countless people since uh, recorded history who have returned to tell us their stories of what their experiences with the afterlife. Now, the most noteworthy account experienced firsthand by Harvard-trained brain neurosurgeon of 25 years, Dr. Eben Alexander, who uh, brought the whole sense of the aftermath into the world of science. And the world of science is curious about the afterlife. Our society as a whole is fascinated by the afterlife, fascinated uh, by death. Uh, and, and it may be because death is so final. Because when it comes, it's irreversible. We know that death wins every time. Nothing in our society, nothing in our culture today is as certain as death and taxes. And taxes, you know, right around the corner, so don't, uh, don't delay as I have. But, but, but even death is more certain than taxes because you can get around paying taxes. You can cheat on your taxes, but you cannot cheat death. You see, when your time is up, it's up. We all have a scheduled, point, a scheduled appointment with death in our future. Now I hope that I've really encouraged you by that opening uh, to talk about death. But uh, a few years ago, or a year or so ago, Google made uh, this announcement. Uh, and an announcement went like this. Not many of us are thinking about death, especially our own. I like thinking about death, but especially our own. But making plans for what happens after you're gone, Google says, is really important for the people that you leave behind. So today, they said, a year or so ago, we're launching a new feature that makes it easy to tell Google what you want done with your digital assets when you die or when you can no longer use your account. The feature is called Inactive Account Manager. And they're gonna, you're going to be inactive because you're dead, and they're going to be your account manager. They said it's not a great name, we know. And you'll find it on your Google Account Settings page. We hope that this new feature will enable you to plan your digital afterlife <laughs> in a way that protects your privacy and security and makes it easier for your loved ones after you're gone. Now, that may answer, that may be the answer to the question, what happens 
when I die as far as our Google accounts are concerned. But the question I want to try to answer today is, is what happens to us after we die? You see, or, or the person we love. What happens to the person we love uh, when the phone call comes in the middle of the night? Or, or, or what happens to that person when the doctor says, I'm really sorry, we did all that we could? Or when that last struggling breath is taken at hospice? I mean, in reality, what happens after death, we know little about. We know very little about what happens after death, uh, which leaves us with at least one question that we all must answer. And the question is, what happens when I die? What happens when I die? That's the question I must ask, and you must ask the question, what happens when I die? We all have to answer that question. And as I'm thinking about that, what happens when I die, I begin to think is, is what happens when I die is, is, is all that, that happens when I die is that uh, they call Covenant Funeral Home up because that's where I want to go because they owe me a discount. And, and do they call Covenant up and, and, and they say, Mr. Mullins, uh, uh, Pastor Buddy has passed away over here at um, uh, Mary Washington Hospital or Spotsylvania or at home, and we need you to come pick him up. And, and do they come and pick me up and take me down to uh, on, uh, on Jefferson Davis Highway and take me in the back room and do what they do and put my favorite shirt on me and dress me up in my favorite shirt? And then they, do they lay me in the casket that Gay has picked out for me? And, and uh, do they put me in that casket and prop me up in a room so a few people can come by and say, oh my, he looks good. <laughs> I mean, didn't they do a good job with him? And then when they have my, the next day, uh, have my funeral, uh, and a pastor will come and say a few nice things about me. I hope you don't have to lie too much. And, and, and then will they load me up in a, a hearse and, and haul me out to the graveyard, and, and they will commit my body to the ground, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And, and then will they cover me up with dirt and I'll rot? Is that what it'll be? when I die? Or is there something more to death? Job asked that same question years ago when he asked, if a man dies, will he live again? Richard Pritchard gives a great one-sentence answer that I love when he said, what happens after you die depends on what you do before you die. What happens after you die depends on what you do before you die. Now the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 from the good old King James Version it says it is appointed unto men, it is appointed unto men and women once to die but after this the judgment. And this is, a, this is an appointment that none of us, no one in this room, no one listening online will, want, will miss. We won't miss this appointment. We all have a disease that is eventually going to take us out and it's called death. We all will experience it. Matter of fact, from Sunday, March 22nd, this past Sunday, to Thursday, this past Thursday, March 26th of this week, 45 people were listed in the Freelance Star as having died. From Sunday to Thursday, 45 people in our area 
uh, have died, according to the obituaries and the freelance star. When you get my age, for some reason, you watch the obituaries. You want to make sure you're not in it. But uh, anyway, when you look at that, they ranged in age from 16 to 102, which tells me and tells us that death is no respecter of persons. We all are going to die. Now, I read a story this week about Bill and George, and you may have heard this story, but they were two avid baseball players. And one day they wondered if, that, if, uh, if we played baseball in heaven. I remember before I was, right after I got saved, I used to pray, Lord, don't you come before the Redskins win the Super Bowl. And now I'm praying, Lord, come on, because they're not going to win anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> And I guess you think the Cowboys are going to win one. Well, they're not. Yeah. Man, that is, if there's an usher that could take her out, I'd appreciate it. Anyway, now you messed my story up. Got me distracted. Paul, why'd you marry her? But anyway, they wondered if they played baseball in heaven. And they agreed that whoever died first would find out the answer and try to come back and communicate with the survivor. Well, eventually Bill died. And several weeks later, George was awakened in the middle of the night with a vision of his friend Bill. And he was delighted to see him. And he asked him, hey, uh, uh, do, Bill, do they play baseball in heaven? And Bill said, uh, Bill said to George, he said, George, I've got some good news for you. And I've got some bad news for you. And he said, the good news is, is they play baseball in heaven all the time. But the bad news is you're scheduled to pitch next week. Or the one about the friendly undertaker who signed all of his correspondence, eventually yours. <laughs> now, he's right, of course. Death is coming at some point. And so, that, which brings me now to the point, the focus of the message. What happens at the moment of death? Now, the only uh, reliable source that we have about death is from the Bible. And the Bible uh, divides uh, the human race into two categories. The Bible divides it into categories uh, of the people that are saved. The people who have confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior, have confessed their sins, and believe that Jesus died on the cross and invited him into their hearts as their Savior. That's one category of people, the saved. The second category of people that the Bible speaks of are the people that the Bible says that are lost. Lost people are people who have rejected Jesus Christ and his love for him, and they are lost, and they are destined for hell. Now, last week, uh, my message focused on hell and what happens to the lost, and, and, and so I, I don't want to talk about that again for a while. Uh, but today, I want to focus on what happens to the saved. What happens to the saved person, the person who believes in Jesus as their Savior the moment they die? Now, now, the Bible teaches us very clearly that those who die knowing Jesus, those who die in a relationship with Jesus, they go immediately into the presence of God. They go immediately into the presence of the Lord. Now, on the cross, Jesus spoke these words to the thief hanging beside him. Now, we know the story. We've seen the pictures. There was a thief on the right. There was a thief on the left. And Jesus was hanging in the middle. And Jesus said to the thief that, he said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. He said, today, 
you will be with me in paradise. Now this is to the thief. Uh, this was a promise from Jesus to the thief who had repented and confessed that Jesus didn't deserve to die, that he truly was uh, a Lord, and he had repented from his life of cri uh, crime. And he, Jesus said that when he died that day, he would be called to a place called paradise. Now, now there are some who would believe and teach that after we die, we go into what is called a soul sleep, a soul sleep. What that means is that after death, a believer sleeps in a suspended state in a grave somewhere until the day of resurrection or the day of rapture. That we die, they take us to a grave, they put us in a hole, they cover us up with dirt, and our soul is in a suspended state, a, sleep, a sleeping state. He sleeps in a suspended state. But Jesus' words to the thief on the cross that day, to me, contradict this belief. You see, how could the thief be this very day in paradise if his soul goes to sleep uh, when he died? So, so we must conclude uh, uh, that at the moment of death, the believer passes immediately when our eyes close and our hearts stop beating, that as a believer, we go immediately into the presence of Jesus Christ, that we go into the presence of the one who gave his life for us, the one who hung on a cross and died for us, who was put in a grave, and on the third day he rose again, that we will be immediately in his presence. Now this is, this is I did a funeral this week, and I shared that very, these very words that, that this, this is the hope and comfort I share often with loved ones standing at the graveside of someone they love. And the verse I most often use is from a man who taught and believed that heaven would begin the moment someone died. And that someone was the Apostle Paul. And he said this. He said, we are confident. Paul says, we are confident as believers. I say and would prefer to be away from the body that is separated from the body of death and at, the home, at home with the Lord. In other words, Paul is saying to be absent from the body, our soul, is to be present with the Lord. And that is the, the comfort and encouragement that I can bring to a person uh, from the words of Paul at a graveside. So it, when I hear those words and, and I study what those words mean, it doesn't seem to me that Paul was looking forward to this sleepless state somewhere. That he was looking forward to sleeping in a grave after he died, but that he truly was looking forward to being in the presence of Jesus. So we believe that the soul goes to heaven to be with Jesus, and the body goes to the grave until Jesus comes to earth again. Now, 1 Thessalonians says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now, we're believers, we believe that. We're going to celebrate that like crazy next week. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, this verse indicates that when Christians die, uh, die their souls are with Jesus. And the body sleeps in the grave somewhere. And, and when Jesus returns someday, and that's going to be very soon, I believe, and I'm not telling that to fear, for fear of it, to make fear of it for anybody, but when Jesus returns someday, the body and the soul will come together. We'll be re reunited 
with our body and our souls will be reunited. And we'll come together. The Bible says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Now, can you imagine that command? I mean, for the whole earth to hear. With a loud command, with the voice of the, heart, uh, the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, this is God's promise to the believer of a bodily resurrection in the future. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says an important fact that our bodies will be raised imperishable. Now, what that means is that your body will be perfect in every way. You know, I, I will, you and I will be free from any trace of death and decay when we're called up into heaven. Now, I know when I say this, some of you are going to be ready to pass out because as good as I look. But I will be 61 years old on April 20th. Now put that on your phone, on your calendar, so you can get me a gift. Oh, here's a text from James Onwa, Nigeria. Buddy and Gay, thank you for your 20 years of ministry. Wow, thank you, James. Uh, and he also told me that there was two deaths in his river state over the elections and none of it affected them. So anyway, that's good. So anyway, I get back to that. I'm 61 years old and my, I got to tell you, my body is slowly wearing out. I, I mean, I go to bed at night and I lay on my side and my hip feels like, oh, so I roll over on the other hip. Oh, I get up and it's like, oh, I got arthritis in my spine. My neck feels like crazy. I mean, it hurts so bad some nights. I got some snake oil, though. Paul bought me some snake oil down at the Ignite Conference, and that really works. Um, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say, I have to, I can't see a lick. I mean, I have to wear reading glasses, and they're 300. And not only that, Gay says, when you go get your eyes checked, get your hearing checked as well. And I said, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I am wearing out. My body is wearing out. And, and, and here's what I'm saying. Once my body is raised from the dead, and once your body is raised from the dead, it will never uh, decay. I'll have brand new hips. They'll never wear out. I'll be able to read without reading glasses. My neck will feel better, and my arthritis will be gone, and I'll stand up straight, and, 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 uh, and I'll hear without saying, huh. I will never suffer another injury, and I will never grow old or weary. I will never get sick. I will never be disappointed. I will never have pain again. I'll never be hurt. I will, by the words of others, I will never die again, and the same goes for you if you're a believer. The same goes for you if you're a believer. You know, just so you know, if you're a believer today, we are not going from the land of the living to the land of the dying. If you know Jesus, you're going from the land of the dying into the land of the living. We're living in the land of the dying, but we're going to a place where we will never die again. There will never be no, there'll be no more weeping, there'll be more, no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, because we will be in the presence of Jesus in the land of the living. 
That's what's promised for us. And then once our bodies are resurrected, Paul says that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all have to. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, before we get too upset about that, I had in my notes before we get our underwear tonight, but I didn't want to say that. But before we get too upset, we don't want to have to wait till then. We don't have to wait till then to find out if we're saved or lost. The, the, you see, that's determined today. That's determined before you ever die. You're not going to be, get to heaven and God said, nope, you're out of here. Nope, you're out of here. Oh, you're in. You have determined, that has been determined by the choice that you made while you were among, uh, uh, while you were living, whether you or not believed and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, confessed your sins, and invited him in to be your Savior. Your destiny was det has been determined, uh, your salvation has been determined by that decision. You received the free gift of salvation. Now, as believers, we will be judged, the Bible says. We will be judged. There comes a time for death and judgment. And the Bible says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll, as believers, we'll be judged for the things we've done while we are here on earth. Both good and bad. Both good and bad. Uh, our, you know, our motives as well as deeds will be taken into account. Now, we will be judged for the good and the bad. In other words, we will be judged for the things that God expected from us and we rejected that. Now, that has nothing to do with our salvation, but it has everything to do with our reward. You know, the Bible, when it speaks of receiving our reward, our, our, our reward is talking about crowns. And I think there are seven crowns, if I remember right, that we have the opportunity to receive uh, for the good that we've done on earth while we were alive. What we've done with the, with the opportunities that God has given us, what we have done with those, we will be awarded. We will be rewarded for those things, and we will receive a crown. The crown of righteousness, the crown, there's seven crowns, I think. That we will receive. I know we will receive crowns. But we will also have this sense of that things that we didn't do. The things that God had asked us to do. And we just kind of blew him off. And that will be, will be, that will be remembered. But you know what I always say? Get me inside the gate. I don't care if I got a big mansion or a little mansion. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? As long, I don't care if I got an outhouse, really. I just want to be in heaven. You know, but there is that judgment. I don't know why I said all that, but I just thought about it, buddy. You better be helping you get in there. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not worried about that today. As believers, though, we will be judged. Our motives and our deeds will be taken into account. The primary purpose of his judgment is to reward believers for the manner in which we used our opportunity and discharged our responsibilities. So I just want to leave you with a few final thoughts. And this is a big final thought. You have nothing to fear when visited by death. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You don't have to fear the judgment. You don't have to fear the good or the bad or the rewards or the whatever. There is, no, you know, there is no fear in death if you are a believer. 
If you know Jesus, you see, no matter if you, your death is quick or slow, painful or, or pain, uh, painful or painless, when it comes, you will find yourself in the presence of Jesus in heaven. We had an older Mennonite guy uh, build our house. It was our dream house uh, that we thought we'd live in forever. God changed those plans. It was just right outside of heaven. In other words, just right outside of Kieseltown in Harrisonburg. And one day as he was building our house, we got talking about eternal life. And I said to him, I said, Wilbur, you do believe that you would go to heaven when you die, right? And he said, well, buddy, it kind of shocked me. His answer kind of shocked me. He said, he, he said I kind of look at it like this. I kind of look at it like my paycheck. I know for sure I have it when I get it. In other words, to me, it seemed like he had some fear that somehow God was going to lock the gate on him and that he was somehow not going to get in uh, even though he confessed his sins and believed in Jesus and lived for him. That somehow he had this fear that God was going to keep him out of heaven. And my favorite verse is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. It says, uh, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is how you can know. Jesus says, I write these things, or John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You ever talk to somebody and say, well, I hope so. Well, the Bible says you can know so. Or you talk to somebody and they say, I guess I will. The Bible doesn't say guess. The Bible says you can know. It doesn't say, well, that's right. That's something to shout about right there. These guys, all they care about is cowboys, but you care about eternal stuff. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you, oh, I think I'm going to heaven. You don't have to think. The Bible says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So you can know that you know that you know that when you die, you're going to heaven. So there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear about death. When you close your eyes, when I close my eyes, you're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Look what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. He said, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And he says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now, keys are a sign of authority. If you have the keys to my house, you have authority, if I gave them to you, you have authority to go in my house when I'm not home. You can unlock the door and go right in. Because I've given you the authority to do that. I've heard it said that the devil owns the gates of hell. And you know what? I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm absolutely cool with that. Because Jesus has the keys. And he has the authority over my life. The devil has no authority over your life or over my life. He may have the gates, but Jesus has the keys. And we have nothing to fear in the moment of death, for when the time comes, Jesus will unlock the gates of heaven, and we will be in his presence. Whew. Now, Jesus said, I am the resurrection of the, and the life. He who believes in me. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Are y'all dead? Somebody else smile and say, that's good news. I mean, 
He says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Praise the Lord. We will never die. Church, we will never die. I'm telling you right now, if the Redskins just scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl to win, Mike would be sick and I would be cheered like crazy. And I'm telling you, we got something to be cheering about today. And that is we win. We win. If you believe in Jesus, you will never die. What an amazing promise. I know you're saying, well, I know believers have died. It's true, they have died. But I could tell you death is merely the passing from this life with all its pain and sorrow into life in the presence of our Lord. The question is not what will happen when we die, but rather the question is what will happen when you die? What will happen when you die? You see, death is not the end of the road. It's only a bend in the road. For Christians, death is not something to dread, but rather something to look forward to. Statisticians tell us that 60 million people die every year. 60 million people die every year. That's 150,000 people entering eternity every day. 150,000. You know what that means? 100 people every minute will die and pass into eternity. Now, now think of that. Uh, we're just a little bit over an hour we've been together. Uh, since the ser this service began, about 6,000 people, 100 a minute, 60 minutes, 6,000 6, people have seen firsthand what happens when we die. Now, now, this confronts those of us present this morning with two questions, and the first is this. Are you ready? Do you believe this? Jesus said, do you believe that I am the resurrection and life? Do you believe that you will always live? Do you believe in me as Savior? Are you ready to die? Billy Graham's father-in-law, D.L. Nelson Bell, once said, only those who are prepared to die are really prepared to live. Well, well, if you're not prepared for death, you can be. More than anything, God wants you to be ready. You see, the Bible says that it's God's will that none should perish but that all would come to know him and have eternal life. You see, he doesn't want you to fear death. He wants you to live life, to live life to the abundant. He loves you and I so much that he doesn't want you to experience the hell of separation from him now or in eternity. And all you have to do to be prepared and unafraid is put your trust in Jesus, the Savior God has provided for us. We are sinners and we are destined for hell, but because of Jesus Christ, our Savior, he rescued us from hell. And so we have to admit that we're sinners and ask for God. His free gift is eternal life. And so we have to ask God for forgiveness and we give him our life. And, and so that's the first question. Are you ready to die? If so, the second question is for you and for me. It confronts us with, for those who are Christians, and it's this. Are we doing all that we can? Are you and I doing, are you, am I, doing all that I can to let people know? That, that, to let people know that Jesus loves them? 
Are you doing, am I doing all that I can to share the good news that Jesus Christ loves us and he gave his life for us and that they can experience eternal life and they don't have to fear death? Are we doing all we can because 6,000 people died since we started this service and their eternity has already been determined and God, hey, God for some reason trusted us that we would be his messenger of the good news. He told us his final parting words would go ye into the whole world, the whole world, and make disciples. And so he left that responsibility to us. He must have tremendous trust in us. And the question is, am I doing my part? Am I doing my part? Are you doing your part? Do you look for opportunities do I look for opportunities to share the key to eternal life with everyone? When's the last time you shared the gospel good news with somebody that you know needed to hear it? When's the last time that you have a friend that you say, well, buddy, I don't know quite how to do that. When's the last time you invited an unsaved person, friend, a relative, or co-worker to come to church with you? You know Easter confronts that in our lives. You see, as I, I, I said last week, the Easter for us as believers is our Super Bowl. I mean, it's more than our Super Bowl. It's an after Super Bowl party. I mean, it's when we say, hey, I'm celebrating because my team won. And if you go to the end of the book, if you go all the way to the end of the book, you know who wins? We win because of Jesus. We win. Amen. We win. And folks, I want you to invite, and I will do mine, I, I want you to invite as many people as we can to our Super Bowl party this next weekend. We're going to party. We're going to party. It's going to be different than any party we ever had. We did some experiments this week that about killed us. <laughs> that we had to say, we can't do that. <laughs> That's for sure. And we had the rescue squad here. <laughs> anyway. We're going to have a party, and, and, and we were going to celebrate the victory of your friends that came to know Christ, and my friends, I know the one person that God laid on my heart last night, and that's my guy at the food line that does the seafood guy, the seafood guy. Him and I have had a relationship for about six months. Every time I go, hey, he say, hey, man, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. You're doing good. Yeah, and we had this conversation. Well, I'm going to go buy some seafood this week, and I'm going to invite my friend to church next Sunday. And I've got others that I'm, and I'm going to go to the neighborhoods. I'm going to hand out cards. I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'm asking you, if you're a believer, and you've experienced the good news, I'm asking you. We ask God to just show you that one person. If one person, if we, every one of us invites one person, wow. Because I'll tell you what I'll promise you, that we're going to do our very best to share the good news the message of the good news next Sunday as clearly as we can share it. If you have a burden for a lost person, you don't want them to be out of here next week. You want them to be here with you. And we're going to do our very best. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today that we do not have to fear death. God, we thank you that you have conquered death and hell. And God, that if we believe in you, then we can know that we can know that we have eternal life. And I just pray for everyone that's listening today. I pray, dear Jesus, that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit of love and grace upon each one. I pray for those, Lord, today that know you, including me. 
Lord, never let me preach a message to anybody else that I haven't preached to me. And so, God, I, I pray that you will break our hearts for lost people. God, I, I know, Gain, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you've called us to ministry and we've stayed here 20 years because you wanted us to reach as many lost people as we can. And so, God, I just pray that you'll break our hearts as a church, those online, those in India that are listening, those in Nigeria that are listening. God, that you'll break our hearts for people who don't know Jesus, that will be lost in eternity, that if they were on their deathbed, they would be afraid. God, we want to share the good news. And I pray for you today, if you're here today and you've never stepped across the line, you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I invite you today to invite Jesus into your heart. Just invite him in right now. Just say, Jesus, you can pray this. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. And I confess, Jesus, that I'm a sinner. And you just pray, please forgive me. And then you invite him in. Just say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. And then you thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer in just a moment, just a moment, I'm going to have Bobby and any other pastor that may be in here. Jim, in here, Jim Cloyd, I thought I saw you earlier. I just need some pastors that will come up, and they'd like to pray for you. And then here's what I want to do. We're going to worship. We're going to leave. I know I went a little longer today, uh, but it's Eastern. you got to excuse me. Um, we're, what I want you to do today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what I want you to do, and maybe those that come up to the altar, maybe will have to step back, back out through the crowd. But I want to do this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, and you are going to commit to bringing someone to church with you next East, this coming Easter, this next weekend, I want, to, I want, Gay, I want Gay, she's going to come and pray. I want her to pray for you that, that God would remove all the fear that you have, that God would open the door to give you an opportunity to invite that person to share Jesus with them or to invite them to church next week. And then we're going to pray that there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this place and many people will come to know Jesus as we celebrate our Super Bowl victory. Can we stand and worship? So if, you, if you're willing to invite that person and you're a believer and you say, you know what, I'm going to invite that person. If you prayed that prayer, I want Bobby and, Bobby, y'all go to the back of the room. Y'all go to the back of the room, Sorry. Jim, go to the back of the room. I want you to pray with anybody that wants to come up. But if you would say, I will come during this song, Gay's going to come and pray for us as we close out. It won't take long, okay? Let's worship like crazy together right now. And during this song, sometime just step out here, and we're going to pray for you.